Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Dr. Rosie Ward, a strong advocate for humanity, someone that companies seek out to help rehumanize their workplaces. Dr. Rosie Ward is the author of Rehumanizing the Workplace, Future-Proofing Your Organization While Restoring Hope, Well-Being, and Performance. And being aware of all the changes we're experiencing, here is an important voice to share ideas on what our future workplaces need to reflect. Dr. Rosie Ward, good morning. It is so wonderful to welcome you here this morning. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. You are just such an inspiration, such words of um, support, encouragement, great vision for our future. And this book, Rehumanizing the Workplace, Future-Proofing Your Organization While Restoring Hope, Well-Being, and Performance, only came out like, well, late winter, early spring. And the timing with the pandemic is so incredible because the message is so perfect for now, but you wrote this way before, so you have some sort of vision going on, I think. <laughs> I, I don't know if I have vision or psychic or anything, but yeah, it is interesting. It launched at the actually the end of March, so smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. And I think that who knew it was going to be even more timely, but I think that our world was really on a trajectory of these ineffective dehumanized workplaces and really communities. And I think that when you have a crisis like the pandemic and then you add on a global social justice crisis and just one crisis after another, it really illuminates where there's gaps and there's holes. And so I think that might be why it feels maybe foreshadowing or even more relevant. And that's why we really do need this right now. And maybe that what has happened is the workplace, the the world is more fertile, ready for the message. At least that's certainly the, the aim, isn't it? The goal. Yeah, for sure. I think that what I've been seeing is you, know, you get through the immediate crisis of the pandemic where people were kind of in shock and trying to figure stuff out. And now they're really settling into, you know, people are struggling emotionally and mentally and stress and resilience. And I think they're seeing we have to really think about and care about our people in a profoundly different way. And I think that when you have a crisis like the pandemic, it's kind of hit a reset for many people where they're reexamining their priorities and and what they're going to put up with and, and what they're looking for. And it is interesting with the workplace. um, Yes, things are slowly getting back to, quote, normal. But uh, you know, what is that? It's all still in a formative stage. And again, I think that's where your, your work, this book, Rehumanizing the Workplace, all really has so great relevance. Yeah. Yeah, in our book, we, we borrow a term from the military that has been around for a while. It's an acronym VUCA, Volatile, Uncertain, Complex, and Ambiguous. And it's really that we are living and working in a world where disruption is the norm. And so I've, I've often referred to the pandemic and just 2020 has really shown us VUCA to the extreme, I guess, if you will. And, and, and so it's really looking at how do we navigate and help people realize that there is no going back to, like you said, quote unquote, normal. It's really constantly evolving and navigating into whatever our next normal is, knowing that that normal, whatever it looks like, is going to include a whole lot of disruption. And so I think that organizations are realizing disruption and looking at, well, you know, the way we used to think about people, the way we used to think about strategy, the way we used to think about our physical workspace um, is, is definitely changing. It's forcing people to 
uh, be on their toes. And I think this is now becoming an overused word, but it's really pivoting is, is kind of the nature of the game. And, and how do you stay nimble and adapt and, and as best as you can try to keep your people whole so that they can be with you for, for the journey that's certainly going to have its ups and downs. Flexibility is certainly a part of this entirely new picture that we have. Whereas, you know, if we thought things fit into this one kind of little box, that that doesn't work anymore. For sure. Right? <laughs> there, there is no box, I don't think. <laughs> right. And, and in that way, this has really force something to happen, but we don't have to think of force as in a negative way that it has rather opened up an opportunity to really see how we can move and navigate and and create something better from it. Oh, for sure. I think that whenever there is a a challenge or or a crisis, it's an opportunity to look at how we'd be better. My husband and I were actually talking about this the other day. Isn't it interesting how like when someone dies, for example, that's close to you, you have maybe a week, maybe a few days, maybe a couple weeks, a moment of clarity, right? Of we're, we're going to be different. We're going to, you know, reset and we're going to tend to what matters. And then that goes away because we fall back on habits. We're creatures of habits. And so I think that this, this is an opportunity to really look at what were we doing that made sense? What were we doing that we were, it was just a habit, but maybe doesn't make the most sense anymore. And, and it's really an opportunity to re-examine everything. And like you said, not necessarily in a bad way, but to really look at how often do we really have that wake-up call. And this has really been a wake-up call for people, but also for businesses to really look at what, what is our world demanding of us and what is it going to take to be future ready and to, to be in it for the long, long haul. And and it's interesting, like the second chapter in your book, The Future of Work, well, we, <laughs> wow, we ran right forward into this, the future of work, we're really experimenting with that. And, and I feel that we're really seeing some good results with those of us who can be working remotely. Yeah, I think that a lot of people have, who thought that, oh, they couldn't have people work remotely because maybe there was a old school command and control, I need to see people in their seats um, type of thing, or that people aren't going to be productive or people are going to flounder. And really, and we talk about this in the book, but long before the pandemic, if you look at the, for example, the millennials and the Gen Zs, they were really kind of demanding this more flexible, like let's work environment. Let me know what's expected of me, but give me flexibility of when I can get the work done. Again, not every job is appropriate for that, right? And, um, but I think I've heard so many people say, you know, I've actually been more productive because I'm not spending hours, you know, commuting. Um, I've been more productive because I can, you know, be focused. Um, there are people who've been struggling as well, but I think that organizations are realizing that the, this whole idea of having more flexibility and letting people be remote, maybe not a hundred percent of the time, but more than they have been and leveraging technology in an effective way um, can be a really valuable tool. And if people aren't traveling as much, there's an added benefit that it helps our environment too. And that one's kind of a hot button with me. And I think that we see that this has been a really uh, positive impact on our environment by traveling less and we're, we're not polluting the air as much. You hear songbirds in your yard now. Yeah, right. right. You're seeing all these incredible, I think some of them are doctored, but you've been seeing all these incredible from around the world of, 
you know, things cleaning up and people being able to, you know, see the skyline again. And, and so there, there's value in that. And so some people, you know, are like, well, maybe in a, in a small way, mother nature was kind of resetting. Um, yeah. And so I think that it, even as we, as we usher back into people traveling more, I think that people, businesses in particular are thinking, yes, there's value in bringing people together in person, but do we have to do it as often as we did? Right. And can we have this balance where we can leverage technology, we can be kinder to our environment, we can perhaps save some money and really being more thoughtful and intentional about travel, uh, about, you know, just all of our stakeholders. Exactly. And, you know, thinking of uh, the ways cities have become maybe too congested, uh, all the extra building that's gone on, that's going to simplify all that. Now, everything has its ups and its downs or the the yin and the yang of it because, of course, construction's important. But maybe we'll just be more deliberate and thoughtful of how we do this. Yeah, I, that's that's my hope. And and I think you said something really important is the deliberate and thoughtful. And we really weave that throughout our book. And really the work that we do is it's about can we just get off of autopilot, right? And yes. doing things just because we're mindlessly and really bring more presence, intentionality, and deliberate, deliberate acts, whether it's into how we go about our day, how we go about our businesses, how we think about construction, how we think about whatever. I just think there's so much that we leave the chance or we're not being deliberate and intentional. And that's, I think, where we get into trouble in a disruptive VUCA world. And so the more that we can um, equip people to bring that intentionality back, I think we're going to fare far better. And I think it allows, uh, ultimately, the environment is trusting people, allowing uh, all the voices to be heard rather than having that, uh, you know, top-down model. I think collaboration is a word that comes up in your book. And, you know, I think the majority of us would want to embrace collaboration. Yeah, we we quote, and I don't know if she's the one that said it, but she said it in some of her books. So we quote Margaret Wheatley, and she regularly says that people only support what they've helped to create. And so if you're not including people in the process, if you're not including the stakeholders and you're expecting them to just carry out a vision or carry out orders, it goes against our DNA. We are biologically hardwired to rebel and push back if we have not been a part of the process to some degree. And so collaboration becomes really, really important, which means also that you have people and different personalities coming together. And so if you're going to foster collaboration, this means that we also have to equip people to be able to be more self-aware, right? Um, manage their triggers when they, you know, their hot buttons get pushed and they're not going to listen or not going to shut down. We have to teach people how to listen to one another. It's really all of the quote unquote soft skills that are, have not been traditionally taught in management, yet all the research points to those are the most important skills that we can um, build in people and what, what our world demands of us. So I, I think there's a whole lot there. But, it, yeah, if, if we're not fostering that and we're not equipping people to collaborate and work well together and be more emotionally intelligent, we're going to be in a whole host of trouble. And so the book beautifully goes into all these different aspects when you're talking about uh, the listening. You have a chapter on effective communication, listening, of course, being a, a big part of communication. Yeah, I think most of us tend to listen with the intent to reply rather than listening to truly understand. And, you know, we already have our thoughts formulated. We're already jumping in and we've never really heard the other person. And so 
so much now, even with the pandemic, what I see with organizations is they've ramped up their communication in the telling. They're pushing out all kinds of information to people, you know, which people need to be informed or what's next, but they're not listening. I was talking to several of our clients in the last couple of weeks and they're struggling. And I said, you need to have listening sessions. You need to just start listening, not solving, not making excuses, not telling. People want to feel heard and seen and listening is a really powerful way to do that. And it's a gift we can give to our neighbor, to our family, but certainly in a workplace as well. And uh, another word that popped off the page for me was belonging, that that's something that each of us, I mean, it it really is so involved with the listening. It's involved with the collaboration. It's part of being the, the team and feeling like uh that you really do matter. So belonging is a big thing. It's a huge thing. Yeah. And Brene Brown regularly talks about how we are neurobiologically hardwired for connection and belonging. And you think about, you know, I have a nine-year-old and it's always, you know, am I sitting with my friends and do I belong? I mean, from the time we're small, it's all about that community and connection. And so I think, you know, if you want to take this into what we're seeing with all the social justice movement ramping up, which it's really about, do I belong, right? Am I seen as a person? Am I seen as a human being? And do I belong here? And so I think you're seeing um, belonging come up even more. And then when we're physically separated because of social distancing, you're seeing that that need for belonging being challenged even more. So isn't it is interesting because we see it in in all these shapes and forms, you know, from the very kind of small family unit through the schools, through the businesses and then through our country. So, yes, it's it is huge. Yeah. And, you know, what's funny is, you know, my nine year old son, Peyton, who I talk about in the book, he you know, he's been pretty good throughout all of this. And all of a sudden yesterday, out of the blue, he says to me, you know, mom, I want to go back to school. I miss learning and, and I miss my friends. And, and, you know, they did, did the e-learning, but it's not the same. And I just said, I know, buddy. And like, hopefully you can go back this fall. You know, he get, it's like, okay, enough is enough. It's been several months. And he's like, I, 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 I want to go back to this structure and where I belong and where I have people. And, and I, I think our kids are feeling it. I think, you know, our senior citizens are feeling it and everybody in between. Yes. And isn't it, wouldn't it be ideal, rather, if like with the schools as with businesses to be able to offer the model of, you know, incorporating both that, you know, ki- their kids most probably thrive being in that social environment. But there are those who who don't, that it's really too challenging for them, that there would still be the option of remote learning for them. Yeah, I mean, I think what this has brought forward for schools and for workplaces is that it's not a one-size-fits-all, and that we have figured out a way to, granted, people who want to be connected and social have been forced to be separate, and that's been hard for them, but I think that there is a way that we can accommodate different styles of learning, of processing, whether you want to call it introversion, extroversion, and find something that works for people because no two people are alike, but we we can have that adaptability and flexibility to really look at how can we ensure that as many people can thrive as possible. And so here you were with this visionary insight you didn't know you had at the time, because there's that chapter (laughs) on holistic culture, which again, you know, holistic is at every level, just as we've touched on, you know, with the, with the previous comments, it's, that's what you're 
what is being built, right? Yeah, I, I yeah, we talk about uh, you know that we really have to first and foremost see people as people. And so we we talk about diversity, inclusion, equity, and really what does it mean and really expanding it to not just race and gender and sexual orientation um, and country of origin, but also even looking at size, right? There's there's weightism and ageism and just really how how divided that we can be and that if a workplace is going to be truly human and holistic, we have to first and foremost really see people as people, not our labels, not our ideas, not our judgments. And that can be hard to do. As we all know, we have unconscious and implicit biases. And so it's how do we help people become more self-aware of where those might be at play, equip them to um, notice any judgments they have, and then be able to pause and set those judgments aside to truly see another human being. Um, And that's, again, going back to your intention word, that takes intentionality. Yes. And so... Sometimes it feels uh, overly challenging or frustrating that, you know, how do we get us all on board to do this? But uh, your vision again, if I can call it that, Dr. Rosie, is uh, <laughs> that it, it is one at a time, that it's it's something uh, that that we can model and others are going to somehow eventually become part of it. Do I get that yes. correct, right? Yeah, it's going back to that people only support what they've helped to create. And so in our work and in our book, you know, we help organizations patterning off of conscious capitalism and Simon Sinek about clarifying their why or their purpose and rallying around it. And you do that collectively by bringing people together in small groups, telling stories and really that your purpose or why exists. This is about finding it and illuminating it, not like creating something pie out of the sky. And then there's another level then of how do you actually help people anchor in, in, in that? How do you take your core values from nice words, but actually operationalize them into key behaviors that people can use as a filter for how they show up and how we hold one another and ourselves accountable and, and those types of things. And so what, what's really interesting is that what we have learned is that, that culture doesn't start at the top and culture is not a C-suite or an HR thing. It's an everybody thing. And but you have many subcultures and culture ultimately resides at that local team level or family level or whatever, right? The small group level. And so when you do work team by team or group by group, right? And you help everybody show up as a leader, meaning that they're being self-aware and trying to become the best version of themselves while maximizing their positive impact on others, where you help people learn how to listen. You, you engage people in a process to, to create a shared collective vision for their team, for their family, right, and how they're going to show up, it's like a grassroots movement. It starts to spread one team Mm -hmm. at a time versus this top-down initiative. And that was hugely eye-opening for us and been so encouraged by how you can transform communities and workplaces by really taking that approach, one team at a time, one family at a time, one group at a time, and you build from there and you build a common language, you build intentional, deliberate practices, and it's it's, it's really inspiring. It makes it seem more tangible because if we're waiting for somebody else or a top-down approach, it's not going to get done. Right. Yes, it, it really uh, is so wonderful to have then each individual valued. It's each one of us then is seen as a leader that at different times we're going to be uh, called upon. Sometimes we're the supporter but other times we're the one with the ideas and, and we draw the team forward. 
Absolutely. And you think about it, you, you can be, you can show up as a leader in your friend group. You can show up as a leader in your community. You can show up a leader as your, in your family. And you're right. Sometimes people need to be the supporters and followers and sometimes we need to lead. But I would, I would go so far as to say, particularly in our current disruptive to the extreme world, that we really need everybody to say, I'm going to show up as a leader in my life. I am going to do my own self-work, right, to become a better version of me. And I am going to have this standpoint of seeing other people as human beings and looking at on an everyday basis, what can I do to maximize my positive impact on the world? Like it might just be my family. It might just be my neighbors. But where can I add value? And if we had everybody doing their work to show up as a leader, it just I just think of what would be possible and how much better our workplaces, our communities, our country, our world could be. That is the seed we're planting this morning. Uh, yeah. To really have everyone step up as the leader in their own life. And, oh, what an incredible world we can create. Right? I mean, right? It, 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 when I'm down in, in the dumps and I see somebody doing what might seem something small, but they're showing up as a leader, it gives me hope and it gives me encouragement. And I think it also, you know, as human beings, we like to be autonomous and we like to feel like we have control. And when our entire world feels like it's spinning out of control and we realize, wait, I can do something. I can play my part. I don't need to sit back and wait for someone else who, quote unquote, is more qualified. And I can choose to make a dent and make a positive impact. That's that's energizing. That's empowering. And and that's what's going to get us to a better future. Yes, and it feels so great. It does energize. I mean, just those thoughts, don't they feel like we feel like Superwoman? <laughs> yeah, put on the cape, like, okay, let's go, right? <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so that's the, is so motivating here, rehumanizing the workplace. Yes, it's about the workplace, but it's really about the individual. We have to, I think, see it in that way that each of us is part of that whole and has that kind of a responsibility, if you will. Absolutely. And I, that's why at the end of every chapter, we summarize it with, Here's things you can do, meaning the reader, right, right now to show up as a leader and make a positive impact. And so it's really full with, yes, it's about the workplace, but it's about the, you know what, it's about your community. It's about, you know, what, how are you define that and what can you do to start to influence and lead positive change? Right. So, you know, all that we need, this is like such a great guidebook, a workbook as well, to help us to to really be showing up to be our best selves and the self that we didn't even realize was there. Uh, what a great opportunity we have to really become our fully authentic selves. For sure. You know, I think it's an ongoing journey. I mean, I've been on this journey for decades and, and I, I'm always learning something new about ourselves. And, and you have new things that come up in your life that trigger you or new things that bump you up against the challenge. And I think that when we're all on this kind of continuous journey to be better, right, not perfect, but be better and our best selves at this time, um, it's, it's rewarding and it allows us to be more effective in our lives, in our relationships, in our work, in our communities. And we need the inspiration. Uh, you know, sometimes it uh, it just doesn't come out of a vacuum. So to do this reading, to have this inspiration, uh, you have the opportunity for us also to sign up for a newsletter. So 
as new things come up, as you have uh, new inspiration uh, and you are motivational uh, on your website. Oh, let's mention your website right now. Yeah, so there's two. So my there's Dr. Rosie Ward, so D-R and then R-O-S-I-E-W-A-R-D.com. And that's really full of inspiration of how to show up as a leader. And my e-newsletter there is really about that self-empowerment. What, what do you need to show up as a leader? What's inspiring me? What I'm reading? Um, what I'm working on? And then, um, and then Salveo Partners, S-A-L-V-E-O Partners.com is our business-to-business website. And that's where we offer training courses, consulting, coaching. And we also have an e-newsletter there that we uh, feature uh, links and, and things that are um, inspiring us that we think people would want to know about. So, so both websites, it's kind of a slightly different focus, but they're very much aligned. So either one and maybe both will work for wherever we are at in our life. But certainly, you know, that the DrRosieWard.com is great because uh, there again, it's you're constantly kind of our own personal coach is the way I see it. Yeah, that that was my intent behind the website of, of really how can I put a message out there to people who, um, who, who might need it, right? Or who might be thinking, you know, I... I, I need I need to really think about things differently or I need some motivation to to be a better version of myself. And that really is the intent behind it. So I'm glad that you got that feel from the website. Oh yes. It's it's so welcoming and so um it's I can feel that connection. I mean you your your personality really comes right off the screen. So yes, you have succeeded. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I couldn't have done it without my fabulous web partners, but I said my old website was one of those stock boring ones. And I said, it's so not me. You need to make this me. So I was very happy with how it turned out. Well, so encouraging everyone to definitely take a look at that and get your own copy of Rehumanizing the Workplace. Again, we need to learn some of these things. Sometimes it's lessons we've heard, but, you know, we hear them at a different level. We experience it. And certainly now during this time, uh, a whole new way of living, you know, more inspiration and information is needed to help us guide us along to the future. For sure. For sure. So on your horizon, how do you see things as evolving? Uh, is it, Do you feel it's looking optimistic? I can't imagine you don't. But. Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, like our elections are going to be extremely important. And I and I think that, you know, what I'm seeing is while there's a lot of divisiveness and a lot of um, dehumanization out there, I've been so encouraged um, and inspired by the humanity that has emerged, everything from businesses that have completely pivoted, right, to, to be more purposeful and help to people that are showing up as leaders, to, you know, people who are finally taking a stand against racism and marginalized groups. And, you know, there, there's this level of we want a better future that is showing up that is really, really encouraging for me. Um, so that, that has me hopeful. Um, while there's still a lot of uh, concern, there, there, there are beacons of hope and light that I'm really holding on to. I also think, you know, what's been interesting is um, for our work, I mean, I think a lot of people are realizing, wow, we we need to do this and we need to look at things differently. And so we've had a, a ton of inquiries and, and, and work showing up in the last few weeks. Okay, how can we do this virtually in an effective way? How can we develop our leaders, coach our leaders, clarify our why? And so I think that people are reemerging and realizing, okay, we got to be in this for the long haul. And so now we have to start rethinking um, what we're going to invest in. And so so in those respects, I'm also really encouraged. 
And it, it is an exciting time in that way because we do see it as fertile ground for creativity. People are reimagining things, and it, it's really so interesting to see the way that people take like that proverbial making lemonade out of those lemons. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I, I mean, and we're no exception. I know that, you know, we did a lot of things virtually, but I traveled a lot and it's been, okay, how can we change this facilitator training to an online module and how can I do this differently? And, um, and so it stretched me creatively and how else can I add value and how can I add value to the world in this crazy time? So um, yeah, it's, I think that, that it, it is a fertile ground for creativity for everybody. Well, it's really uh, been so wonderful to have you join us this morning, Dr. Rosie Ward, uh, to share these insights. It is a encouragement for one, but it's really uplifting and inspiring, and we really see the hope and, and really the things that we can do for ourselves and then for our community and for the world at large. Oh, thank you so much. I'm I'm so, it was so fun to talk to you. And thank you so much for those kind words and for having me. Well, it's been a pleasure and I'm looking forward to the future along with you. Thank you so much. And with that, we are at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Dr. Rosie Ward and Sunday Morning Magazine with Dr. Adia Harvey Wingfield. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I'll get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then Sunday mornings, and look for the show and guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of being open to learning and becoming an informed leader. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.